Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this. More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact. Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents... The Jim Ross Report with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and now the man himself, good old JR. Yes, indeed, and hello again, everybody. I'm good old JR Jim Ross. Who else would you expect to be here in this chair on a beautiful day here in Oklahoma? Hope you're having a great week, great day wherever you are as well. Thank you very much for inviting us to your audio, to your radio, to your computer, or wherever you may be uh, for the Jim Ross Report. Fun show today. We'll be talking to Mike Johnson, Pro Wrestling Insider, here in a little while about all the activities going on in Phoenix, some of the hot issues that came out of the weekend. Mike was always so informed and a great guest. So we'll have Mike on with us in a little while to talk about the weekend. And I'm going to get his opinion, too. Mike Johnson was one of the first guys to be in on the AEW story. He's had a long relationship with AEW President Tony Khan, like long meaning like in like 20 years or so so we'll get more into that as well later on so some interesting things coming your way for that on that remember that you can subscribe to our show that drops every wednesday on apple podcast google podcast spotify tune in stitcher or however in the hell you listen to your slobber knocker audio and of course we always appreciate those five-star ratings as well uh so good show thanks again for being with us thanks for telling a friend about our show and your support is very, very significant. And folks, I got a lot on my mind. I got a lot on my mind. So here's what's on my mind. I guess we'll start at the beginning of the weekend in Phoenix at the NXT Takeover. You know, I was uh, planning on watching that event at home in Norman, but uh, I left Milwaukee a Saturday afternoon to fly to Detroit to then connect and fly to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City specifically and uh, everything was all well and good. Leaving um, uh, below zero weather in Milwaukee did not hurt my feelings, even though I had a great time with the Milwaukee Admirals and uh, their uh, salute to pro wrestling afternoon uh, with their hockey team. Had a big win, by the way, and I appreciate the hospitality. Good folks there. I don't appreciate Delta Airlines. More on that later, but nonetheless, uh, I watched the, because I missed my connection to Detroit due to the ineptness of Delta, and the fact that their de-icing crew seemingly went AWOL after start after uh, being called to the project, I missed my damn connection. I stayed uh, in Detroit on uh, Saturday night alone, uh, alone in a Weston in the airport. I didn't even go. I was so damn pissed off. I didn't even go downstairs and have a drink. I was going to have a Moscow Mule. Then I figured with my luck, I'd get there and say we don't have any ginger beer your SOL on your Moscow mule. 
So I pouted, and but I the good news was seriously I watched uh, I watched NXT Takeover on my iPad in my room. It's one of the great things about the WWE Network; it travels well. So if you got Wi-Fi and you got a smart device, you're in the hunt. So I watched NXT Takeover from my room, the little screen, enjoyed it. First of all, I want to recognize uh, Mauro Ronello, who I thought just had a phenomenal night broadcasting. His passion, his enthusiasm is infectious. Uh, he's the kind of guy that when you hear him in the kitchen and he raises his voice or, in, or more specifically refines his inflection, that you want to come out of the kitchen and see what the hell's going on. Uh, I don't get that all the time on TV wrestling. Morrow's at the top of that list. He had a great night. Uh, really talented dude. But I, I enjoyed the show. I, you know, we talked to Mike Johnson about the difference between the presentation of NXT TakeOver, or NXT, and, and uh, the main roster on Raw and SmackDown. I think it's, uh, we know that there's artistic differences in how the show is shot, et cetera, et cetera, but there's a mindset also. It's, and I look at it this way. It's like each of these teams, each of these units run a different offense, or they have different head coaches. They have a different philosophy. And uh, I really enjoy the NXT TakeOver shows, how they're written, the logic that they use, just really good. I thought uh, Johnny Gargano had a marvelous night on Saturday. But that does not mean I didn't wasn't I didn't I was impressed with every match on NXT. I didn't uh, there was not a stinker in a bunch, and the show was not overbooked. But then everybody got plenty of time to tell their story organically. You could exhale. You could enjoy the process. It was because when talents find out that okay, I got uh, uh, you get twenty minutes and they get ready to go out, and all of a sudden now they've got uh, fifteen minutes. They don't try to change anything to any large degree. Many of them. They'll just work faster. So they try to cram more shit in a, in a small bag instead of, you know, restructuring their match, rethinking it. But we've got, a mem- we've got the match memorized. We've been working on it for days. That's one of your problems there as well. But, man, I, I love the show. The feel of it was great. I love the clean finishes. It doesn't hurt to lose if you know how to work. If you lost every week or you got a gimmick, you know, like uh, – uh, Zach Ryder and, and his tag team partner, uh, Kurt Hawkins. That's a different deal. The old, we had the same thing in Mid-South many, many years ago with Mike Boyette. The same thing WWF had at one time with uh, when they featured uh, Barry Horowitz on a big losing streak. And I remember calling that match in a voiceover session, and I, I, I was screaming, Horowitz wins, Horowitz wins. Uh, I think there's no sent off of a baseball call so uh but i i i think that they're they have winners and losers and they they the matches are are competitive they're athletic if it's real athleticism if it's in a real athletic event then why does it hurt to lose if you lose the right way and you don't lose every time that you're on television i don't get that I like the fact that you know you're going to see a winner and a loser, so how's it going to go? It adds more intrigue to the match because I don't want to plan on, well, this will probably be a disqualification or this will be a countout. That's garbage. That's true garbage that means nothing. So good night for the cats, the men and the women there at uh, NXT TakeOver. I like uh, Shayna Baszler's uh, evolution. Very good. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is, is excellent, big time. I hope the WWE creative gets Aleister Black and what he what he can represent, what he can mean. He's a really talented dude. 
and he's got a very unique rugged look with all those tattoos and long hair etc etc i ain't knocking it i'm just saying that if you 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 can't judge a book by its cover many times and certainly alistair black would fit in that category he's very very talented trust me and i would venture to say that guys like him that don't get the creative uh treatment that they feel that they need will not have problems finding work elsewhere the wrestling business in general is too hot for good talents not to find work that's just my take on it so uh good show all the way around i i'm a fan of the war raiders i called a bunch of those dudes matches when they were in new japan and i was working for access tv uh and uh i love the undisputed era cats good guys worth a lot on any roster good dudes so a good night on saturday night i finally got home on a sunday afternoon believe it or not and boy was i ready to get home this is one of those deals you get off the road and you want to take a shower and you have to really convince yourself that you need to leave the shower i bet i took a 20 minute shower and the great thing about it you know the city life you know it wasn't like that way when i was living on the farm as a kid you had to hurry because the hot water tank would run out of hot water uh i was uh i'd love my shower <laughs> getting off that damn airplane coughing hacking jeez people should be wearing masks maybe it should be ww should cut a deal for ray mysterio mask on these airplanes people might not cough in your damn face i'm sitting there with my hat on which is a big mistake but you know what are you going to do with it are you jim ross yep well what are you doing uh flying <laughs> what do you do now oh i'm just got a rehab <laughs> no it's but you get some dandy questions some dandy questions especially when delta puts your ass from your full fare paid first class ticket to 19c setting 19c on a on a two-hour trip with a hat on and see how many people want to uh, come have a chat i don't remember advertising a meet and greet but thanks to Delta, we did a few. I don't mind meeting the fans, but you know, if there's turbulence, I don't want your, I don't want you to mind your big ass in my lap. I wouldn't want to be in yours. So anyway, I I, I got to get off the Delta thing. Well, I got one more thing to say about it. That'd be later. Uh, the Royal Rumble is. Uh, I thought it was too long. I'll talk to Mike Johnson later about that. But uh, that was a big one of the big things that came out of Phoenix was the fact that the Royal Rumble was really challenging to to watch. Uh, I think it was not because of how it sounded, not because of who was booked, not because of the finishes too damn long, too much content. How much can you process in a good way or a bad way? And a bad way is forgetting about it. A good way is, man, that, that, that was a moment. Oh, did you, 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 so Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey had a great match and people should be talking about it because it was outstanding. I thought that Finn Balor and, and Brock Lesnar had a hell of a match. I really did. Uh, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles had a good match until the run-in uh, by the the big man, Rowan, who was natally attired in some really cool tennis shoes. And, of course, we all know that killer bearded giant killer heels oftentimes wear uh, tennis shoes uh, to uh, compete. That damn rubber on those tennis shoes can hurt. Ugh. Ugh. Attention to detail. Uh, Sasha Banks showed me how tough she is. Not that I didn't think she was great, but she's tough, too. There's a difference. 
Oscar, Becky Lynch. I would not have had Lynch uh, tap. Uh, I probably would not even use the submission. There's a million ways to get into a find that Becky could have found herself into a hole that she just could not escape in three seconds. It's called wrestling. So that would not have necessitated a tap out. Because now that Becky selected Ronda Rousey as her opponent at WrestleMania, she's kind of leaving Oscar at the, at the altar. And Oscar's the one that made her tap or submitted her at the Royal Rumble. So why wouldn't you want retribution if you're Becky Lynch? And your title, by the way. A little added bonus. So, uh, but that's neither here nor there. We can all bitch about the finishes. Uh, we do, don't we? Uh, the Royal Rumble match, the men's match, I uh, I enjoyed. I thought Seth Rollins was, was, was the anointed one. I thought he would be, be the guy, and he was. And that didn't bother me because, oh, didn't, did it not surprise you? Did it take the surprise away? No, I, it was a surprise because I didn't have, a, have any inside information. Uh, but Seth winning it. I think he'll he'll beat uh, Lesnar at WrestleMania. Uh, I the only thing about the Rumble, I, I enjoyed the little wrinkle. If that's all it's going to be, of Nia Jack entering the men's Royal Rumble. I didn't have a problem with that philosophically for the moment, for a spot. I hope that doesn't lead to uh, proliferation of intergender matches. And I, those of you that do intergender matches or like them, hey, look, that's cool with me, man. I don't care. But for me, if I'm booking, if I'm creating, if I'm writing, I'm not putting men and women against each other. Because my expression is how I perceived, uh, how I feel about that is kind of the expression I saw in Randy Orton's face when he went face to face with Nia Jack. The thing about that, boy, it did show her how big she is. That was a good. That was a good moment. You saw her size advantage and how dangerous she got. She, she got some shine. But I just don't want it going forward in a in an intergender rivalry, because the women always got to wrestle smaller or small guys who are comedy or comedy characters to some degree. And I don't. That's that's not that's not how I would produce wrestling. Uh, I enjoyed listening to JVL and, and Jerry Lawler. Good to see that some of the uh, veterans got to come back and got booked, and uh, they seemed like they were having a good time. I texted King and told him to enjoy his weekend and. He said he did the the show, the pre-show, which, by the way, if these pay-per-views or these Royal Rumbles and any of these pay-per-views go seven hours a day, a four-hour pay-per-view or a little longer, you're going to kill your uh, pre-show because there's no damn way in hell I'm going to tune into a two-hour pre-game show, pre-show, whatever you want to call it, and then stay hooked and mentally in, paying attention and remembering things on a four-plus-hour pay-per-view. I can't do it. Well, Jr., you're old. Yeah, I am old, but I'm also not stupid, and I also know that people can't process that much information and retain it. And of course, then uh, great booking, great creative touch uh, with Becky Lynch replacing Lana, which made a lot of people happy, and uh, for more reasons than one, I'll not be catty any longer. I'm sorry, uh, too much coffee. Uh, but it was great creative and Becky winning that thing uh, last eliminating Charlotte how ironic and poetic was that so a really good uh, women's Royal Rumble so a good show altogether. it's just I had to pick my spots I had to step away from some during that show you know what the most productive thing I did I grilled I grilled chicken thighs and a ribeye 
because I ate them for two days. I'll make somebody a great wife someday. <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed the show just too damn long. That's all. I think we've made that point. Uh, saw Jeff Jarrett in Milwaukee on Saturday at the uh, Admirals game, the hockey game I mentioned earlier. He was one of the he, uh, the lovely Gail Kim and the beautiful Al Snow and I were the four people on the signing for the fans. And it was great. A lot of fun. They had over 5,000 people at the game. It was great. For a Saturday afternoon, and when we left the hotel, it was to go over there about three blocks. It was minus four. That's chilly, man. So uh, Jeff Jarrett was there, and I, I, we were just talking about airplanes. I said, where are you flying? I said, you're flying home. And I, I, I think back on it. He didn't tell me yes, but he didn't tell me no. He just grunted. I, I, cause I think I said something else after that. Probably answered my own question. And uh, so he didn't. He kayfabe me. He didn't. He didn't smarten me up as to what he was doing at the rumble, which I appreciate. I admired that because when he came out, I was, I was. It was a pleasant surprise. So uh, I thought the commentary was a little harsh on him at times, but to be that as it may, then I heard he got hired. So apparently he passed his uh, his uh, unique job interview on Sat on Sunday and Monday night with flying colors. Good for him. Good for him. You know, a lot of wrestlers have great skills in, within their world and, and performers. But sometimes if they got to go out and shot their own resume, I'm not specifically talking about Jeff Jarrett, but any, any talent, when you, when, you, when you obligate and dedicate so much time to the wrestling business, uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to find something else, especially when you're 50 years old. I am so happy he's got this gig. He'll be a great teacher. He'll be a good coach. I mentioned to him, uh, Paul Ryan and I are working on the, the sequel to our book, or another book. And uh, I said, you know, I was writing a chat, was writing about uh, the time that uh, uh, we had the Jeff Jarrett against China match at the pay-per-view in Cleveland, I think it was. And when I walked in, the road dog yelled, at, oh, JR, you did it this time. And you screwed up. Yeah, you ain't going to be able to figure this one out. Something like that, you know, just rubbing it in. And so apparently Jeff had told him he was leaving. I thought Jeff was coming to Cleveland to sign his contract and have his match with China. Didn't work out that way. He wanted to be paid everything he perceived he was owed for uh, past houses and future payoffs. And he wanted it in cash. He wanted it that day. So it wasn't a great day. Uh, and I was not happy. Uh, and I had issues there. Uh, I, was trying, I think I was negotiating with, with Jeff's dad, Jerry, at that time. And I didn't like doing that. I, not the negotiation. Negotiating with with a, a, a guy like Jerry, you know, I know him, I respect him. I don't need to be negotiating contracts with him, especially when he's, he's got an agenda, his son. He's talking about his son here. It's just tough for everybody. So, uh, I, I was, I, I let the door open there. He didn't, he didn't give me a response. <laughs> I was hoping to get some inside information for the book, but I, I think it was just one of those memories that you kind of like to forget. Uh, but the good thing about it is, here, here's how life can work for you. I could be, I could have done a typical wrestling thing, and stayed pissed off at Jeff from that day till today. My question would be, why? Well, there ain't no reason. Stupid. So I have, and I'm not saying that he was all in the wrong. I'm not going to shy away from my responsibility. But it's silly to hate and silly to carry it with you. I said it many times in this show, kids. I ain't got no room I carry on any longer for negativity ain't gonna happen so it's good to send him there uh 
another item off this weekend, Sam Roberts' comments regarding Bianca Belair uh, were a little stiff. But I think in the character, maybe they're trying to get Sam to be more controversial, that maybe it was a produced thing. I can't imagine it not, not being. I, can't, I cannot imagine knowing Sam Roberts as I do, and I like his work a lot. He's very he's a, he's blessed. He's got a great gig at Sirius XM. Uh, he's in good with the WWE uh, decision makers. He gets a lot of good bookings on the broadcast side and so forth. So he's living his dream. So how can he be mad at somebody for that? So I think Sam would not have gone into business for himself. I don't think he would say shit about WWE if he had a mouthful. I just don't. So, uh, but I thought it was a great spot. If it was, if he created the spot, then it's brilliant. If somebody else booked him to do it, then good job, good job. Uh, so I think they need more of that. The announcers need to have a personality, all of them, to some degree. I even noticed that uh, Byron Saxon's using his voice better. He's got a little bit more bass in his voice. I pay a little bit of attention. Great announcers have the ability, and most of it's just divine presence of being able to their voice cuts through clutter and cuts through the noise so that the, you can hear them through uh the crowd noise and music and pyro and all this kind of stuff but nonetheless it was a it was a good uh, uh sunday night good show a little long uh what else? oh monday night raw yeah i look the, the highlight of monday night raw to me really i thought it was one of the better raws in a long time all of a sudden, I'm working on this, this podcast you're listening to right now. I'm there on Monday night at my house. I'm writing notes. I'm moving this around, that around. And all of a sudden, this time, they're in the last segment. So that show really passed quickly. So a good job. That's a good indicator that, uh, that at least that I enjoyed the, the Monday Night Raw. I don't think I have ever heard a more intense, memorable segment than the, the uh, verbal interaction, the verbal sparring, if you will, uh, between – ronda rousey and becky lynch the audience hijacked ronda knocked her off her game for a few minutes i'll never understand that quite frankly and i know everybody's got a reason well i know why okay then you tell your friends uh but nonetheless they hijacked the interview and she miraculously recovered to uh rebut becky lynch and becky lynch can't comes off a strong ass promo and Ronda Rousey trumped it. She, the buttons were pushed. She was not, I didn't think she was me- memorizing and reciting somebody's lines that they wrote at their little laptop or something. She, it felt real to me. And by being feeling real, I didn't stop and process. I just listened and absorbed. She didn't run me away. I didn't roll my eyes, neither of those ladies. But that, that was an amazing segment, I thought. I thought it was great writing to have Lesnar and uh, Rollins uh, in the last segment. Uh, I thought that was good stuff. Uh, still curious what's going to happen with Daniel Bryan and, Ro- and uh, uh, Rowan. But uh, I like the show. Good show on Monday night. Uh, broadcasters did a good job. Somebody asked me this the other day about, well, what do you think of the broadcasting? I get so many hooks in the water thrown at me about wanting me to essentially rail on broadcasting i guess people think i'm so goddamn bitter that i'm gonna i'll I'll blast the broadcasters and knowing the job they do and how it's presented to them and what they're expected what's expected of them etc etc i'm not going to do that there are some things in a broadcast that the announcers inherently know 
is fundamentally wrong. And when color broadcasters cannot identify potential pinning combinations, i.e. somebody's going chest to chest on a lateral press on the, on the, on the canvas, shut the hell up. Let the play-by-play guy get in there and give me the, the near fall or the fall. You shouldn't look at everything like, well, this is near. We know we weren't going home because the match was supposed to go 10 minutes. It just started. That's, that's horrible. That is horrible. I did hear some of that over the weekend. Uh, color analysts not understanding uh, the protocol of calling a false finish or a pinning situation, pinning predicament, submission attempt. All those, I was, it's just uh, amazing to me. And then I was listening to, they're, they're doing, sometimes they do backstory when there's a lot of movement fighting going on. Now, you know it's a work, and you know it's not time to go home, so you're not going to cover it. I, I got to get the backstory in. I don't give a damn about the backstory if you're going to cut the balls off what I'm seeing. Just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, but a good weekend in that regard. I watched a lot of TV wrestling, man. I'm not done this week either. A lot of TV wrestling. So there's that. Uh, also, a few other notes. Uh, well, a lot of, there's a lot of things going on, man. Uh, you got to check out the uh, StarCast in conjunction with the AEW Big Las Vegas Extravaganza, Double or Nothing. Uh, that's going to be a big show. So Conrad Thompson's uh, working on that. Conrad and Rafael Morphy and I had a little meeting this week along with Bruce Pritchard. And uh, StarCast com That's where you get all your info. S-T-A-R-R-C-S-T.com. Starcast.com. Great travel deals for that holiday weekend uh, in May. And, uh, of course, AEW is having a big press conference uh, for Double or Nothing ticket announcement party at the MGM Grand's Talent Pool area. That's going to be on Wednesday, February the 7th, 6 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, might, who, who's going to show up. What's going to what's going to happen? Uh, but it really, uh, they're these guys are out there hitting it, trying to create a lot of awareness and momentum leading into uh, their big May event in Las Vegas. And of course, we'll be keeping you more updated on that information, along with all the other wrestling information of the day, including uh, MLW will be broadcasting live this Saturday night, eight o'clock Eastern on BN Sports USA Cable Network, uh, and that's going to be from Philadelphia's old ECW Arena. Uh, one of our guests, uh, Tom Waller, is going to be uh, in the main event there against Loki. That should be really good. Should be really good. So check, support the guys. MLW.com. Support everybody that you can. Including my friend Josh Barnett, Mo partnered Access TV. is going to be producing a hybrid wrestling uh, MMA show on uh, WrestleMania weekend. It's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, uh, presented by Game Changer Wrestling at the uh, White Eagle Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey. That's going to be on Thursday, April the 4th. I might see you there, folks. I might, I might uh, check that out. Pretty damn much an all-star team fighting. So check them out uh, at eventbrite.com for your tickets. Don't miss this. Eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E, by the way, dot com. Support my boy Josh. Good man. Always has my back, man. Always has my back. Thank God. Somebody does, right? <laughs> Poor me. Uh, oh, I'm, uh, my, I'm excited about The Rock's movie, uh, uh, Fighting With My Family. Uh, it's going to be uh, released on Friday, February 22. I can't wait to see it. 
Can't wait to see it. Paige is one of my favorite people in wrestling. Uh, I've always been in her corner. She could be like an ornery little sister, but you, but nobody else can lay a hand on her. She's a, she is a very special woman, very very talented. Got got a dealt a lousy ass hand with her injury. Uh, things have not always been perfect in her life, but here she is. She's upright and she's productive and she's got a good job. And uh, I'm excited about this movie. Hope you guys will see it. These are things that we as wrestling fans can do to help the business. Because make no mistake that supporting Fighting With My Family, uh, the film, that's again, as I said, it's going to be released on February 22nd, helps everybody. It brings awareness to our beloved pro wrestling genre. And how can that hurt? Here's a little update on where I'm going to be in the next few weeks. Uh, the Great Lakes Comic Convention on Friday, uh, the 22nd of February, and Saturday, the 23rd of February, at the uh, Warren, Michigan. It's in the Detroit area, by the way. The Macomb Community College Convention Expo Center. And if you want information on that, those two days, I'll be there with sauce and, and uh, mustard and ketchup and jerky and books, signing my little life away. And I love it. Meeting all you guys. Taking selfies. GreatLakesComicConvention.com. That's your information. GreatLakesComicConvention.com. See you there Friday and Saturday, February 22 and 23. Uh, by the way, if you're looking to uh, like to host this for some of your, if you're a Comic Con person or involved in wrestling conventions, uh, you can tweet me at JRSBBQ or get a hold of uh, Rafael Morphy. Uh, Raphael's also on Twitter at rmorphnyc or something like that. Raphael's my right-hand man there on the ground there in New York City. Uh, but we'd like to talk to you about uh, coming to your con. We'll be doing more of them this year, as you'll hear in a moment. Uh, on, at WrestleMania week, busy week, Saturday afternoon, uh, the Gotham Comedy Club, big show. I've got several guests that we're talking to. Uh, the Comedy Club's a great venue. It's going to be a matinee Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's only it's it's very close geographically to the Madison Square Garden, where later that night, late that night, in the Gangland Hideout of Elliot Ness, uh, that uh, the uh, Ring of Honor New Japan show will occur at the Garden, the Garden. So, uh, and tickets for our show at the Gotham Comedy Club on the Saturday WrestleMania weekend go on sale this Friday. This Friday at GothamComedyClub.com. A small venue. Go VIP. Come and enjoy the whole experience. Enjoy my guests. Who's going to walk on? Who's going to do a drive-by, as they say? And who are we going to Who am I going to talk to And in addition to the Q&As and the meet and greet and the selfies and all that good stuff? And we'll have books and barbecue sauce, and we'll, we'll do it upright. I promise you. GothamComedyClub.com on sale this Friday morning. Uh, on... Uh, Sunday morning of WrestleMania week, the day of WrestleMania, I'll be uh, joining a bunch of cats for the two-man power trips big show at the uh, Middle, the Midlands Convention on Sunday, April 7th. Uh, and it's going to be at the Midlands Plaza Hotel. Uh, get your tickets and get all the information you need. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sunday morning of WrestleMania. Tickets available at uh, BP Tickets for our big event there on Sunday morning at the Midlands Plaza Hotel on WrestleMania weekend. At BP Tickets on Twitter. You can get your tickets there if you choose to. 
Oh, I, I got you know I just got some nice I got some nice feedback on the fact that we're going to be booked in my my wife's old neighborhood, uh, Monroeville, Pennsylvania. She grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, that'll be at the Steel City Con, uh, just outside Pittsburgh in Monroeville. Same, uh, we had a, we had a great signing there for our book Slobberknocker, the Barnes and Noble. Coming back three days uh, in April, the twelfth, the thirteenth, and the fourteenth. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. For more information, uh, all you need is to check out SteelCityCon.com. SteelCityCon.com. Love to see you there. Also looking forward to uh, headed out to uh, Las Vegas for the annual Cauliflower Alley Club uh, convention. Uh, CaulifierAlleyClub.org has all your information. It's always a great event. Hope you'll join us. If you're a real wrestling fan, you should make it to Cauliflower Alley Club at least once. I say the same thing about the Dan Gibbon Museum in Waterloo, Iowa. I'll be there on July 25, 26, and 27 in Waterloo at the George Tragus Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame induction. And uh, you can... You can have, you'll have a great time on this. It's just it's one of the more family friendly, real, organic, respectful events in wrestling. And uh, at Wrestling Museum has all the information. They're on Twitter at Wrestling Museum. They're in Waterloo. So uh, big events coming up. A lot of a lot of nice things on the horizon for us. Right? Staying busy. It's going to be a busy. It's going to be a good year. So I'm very excited about headed to all these appearances, seeing the fans. Uh, you guys are my salvation, man. In the darkest of times, I've always got a fan base to rely on. And I appreciate that. That's not BS. That's not blowing the old proverbial smoke. Uh, it's the truth. It's true. It's family. That's the great thing about being a wrestling fan. You're part of a very unique family that sometimes your other family members don't even want to claim. But that's okay. We claim each other. And right now, that's what's on my mind. Hey, before we get to Slobberknocker of the Week, remember that uh, our book, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, is still selling uh, at Amazon.com. So wherever you are listening to this, if you have access to Amazon, uh, you can find our book. They'll ship it right to you. We appreciate it. It's available in three versions, the hardcover, the ebook, and the uh, audiobook, which I happen to read myself. So check it out, and uh, we hope to have another book for you to read uh, by the holidays of this year fingers crossed uh slobberknocker of the week well 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 it's a it's kind of an interesting group here you know i I, there's a lot of good nominees how can you not how can you not nominate becky lynch for the weekend she's had right awesome uh you heard me talk about the fact i didn't i wasn't a big fan of her tapping out but i understand Uh, i think there was a better way of doing it but Vince McMahon used to say, as far as booking is concerned, there's more than one right way to get something done. This was a way. Was it the only way? No, of course not. But it was a way. So Becky had a real good good weekend. Certainly a Slobberknocker of the Week nominee. Seth Rollins, you know, uh, he, had a, he, had a great, he had a great rumble. 43 minutes in it. Uh, and... He had a, a really strong match, I thought, with Dean Ambrose. Apparently, he's going to be leaving WWE soon on Monday Night Raw. That was good. They have great chemistry, those two cats. So, Seth is now scheduled to meet Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for the Universal title. I predict that match will go on in the middle of the card to separate it from the main event, which I think should be Rousey and Becky. 
And that way, as I'll, I'll be talking to Mike Johnson about that a little bit later, uh, what order of events, because it's very important. What you follow, what, what precedes you, it's a whole formula. It's like a big puzzle put together, and you gotta, you just can't do it randomly. You, they, they need to build to the Lesnar, uh, WWE needs to build to the Lesnar-Rollins match, have it, you know, maybe with an hour and a half left in the show and close with the two women. Miss Rousey and Miss Lynch, in my opinion. Uh, Johnny Gargano, I mentioned earlier, had a hell of a night uh, in uh, Phoenix at Takeover, and I, I was uh, his match with uh, Ricochet, where Gargano won the North American title, was exceptional, exceptional. The only thing I've ever I'll ever say, guys, just stay safe, man. You, how far do you push the envelope to where you it becomes a negative, and I, negative meaning. You push the envelope so far, there was such a small margin for error to, to succeed that uh, you uh, are hurt, and now you're sitting home. The company's paying you, and you're not working. It may sound nice. In theory, it ain't nice. Not nice at all. Uh, and then I was happily surprised to see Gargano get a little another little reward there by being uh, one of the three NXT participants in the 30-man Royal Rumble match. There at Chase Field, and he, and he did well. Did well. Very talented dude. Very very happy for Johnny Gargano, and his wife was in the uh, uh, who I like a lot. She was in the uh, women's Royal Rumble. So a nice family pay weekend for the Garganos. Why not? Good for them. But the winner of the Slobberknocker of the Week award, ladies and gentlemen, this week I'm going to be biased. I'll be fully transparent. He's a fellow Oklahoman. He'll always be the second toughest guy from Perry, Oklahoma. Former Sooner, former WWE Champion, Jake Hager, especially known as Jack Swagger, uh, made his MMA debut for Bellator, Scott Cooker's company. Had a first-round submission victory over John Wayne Kaiser at Bellator 214. And uh, it took uh, Mr. Hager two minutes and nine seconds to take care of his business. So uh, I was very proud of this young lad. He left a lot of money on the ground behind whatever you want to say leaving wwe and to start basically all over in an unproven sport that's very unforgiving and where the fan base is about as patient as pro wrestling fans you know they don't give you many second chances so uh happy for jack swagger perry oklahoma's finest as he is this week's slobber knocker of the week i'm sitting at one of the spewy firehouses no pet raccoons are overdosing here you know, I often wonder when we're putting these shows together, uh, how many people were pet coon goofy over the week? Since the last time I recorded, how many people did things that are really stupid that stood out? Stood out stupid. People do something stupid every minute of every day, right? That's just human nature. That's why we need police. That's why we need EMTs. It's, it's nature. It's the, way of, it's, the way of, it's the way of life. But some of these just cannot go unrecognized. It wasn't it was Pet Coon Goofy in a funny way, not a negative way. When after netting the a 79th-minute tying goal against rival Norwich City, Sheffield United captain Billy Sharp celebrated with a nod to Mick Foley, Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Sharp donned a Mr. Socko puppet and performed Mankind's signature mandible claw, the submission, on his teammate George Baldock. Uh, George 
went down. George, hey, look, I feel for you, buddy. I've experienced the mandible claw myself. It's a, it's a frightening experience. Frightening. Oh, my boy, it's so frightening. Uh, but uh, I thought it was great. Mick, Mick tweeted out he thought it was tremendous. Thank you, Billy Sharp 10 and Soccer AM on Twitter. Kind of funny. A little pet coon goofy. But consider the source. Uh, I thought the under-the-ring antics of Zelina Vega and Hornswogger uh, was uh, a little bit of a stretch. It was pure comedy. I get that, and maybe that's that's what it's entirely designed for, which obviously it was. Maybe it's okay. My problem was is I wanted to see more of Zelina Vega. I didn't. Ha- they didn't have a camera underneath the ring. That'll be next, maybe. I didn't get enough a good look at her, and then the mischievous little hornswoggle, that horny little bastard, chasing her around. It was a comedic moment. The only thing that made it more perfect is Hornswoggle on his, when he's chasing after Zelina Vega if he had tripped and fallen. Now, some of you are laughing right now because you can visualize that. It don't hurt him, but you know. Here's what happened. Hornswoggle got a nice payday. He got on TV and it helps him book his indie dates. Win-win. Good for him. Good for horning. And then, uh, but Zelina Vega is one of the most, is one of the sexiest and, uh, Beautiful women in WWE. You know, the one thing I noticed in the Women's Royal Rumble, how many women look alike? There's a lot of uh, five foot five or less blondes with long hair extensions. I think the hair extension business in WWE is pretty damn good. I don't know who's doing that. Somebody's making some cash. It's like uh, amazing. The, the, the hair, it's like who's going to have the longest hair? Every week, somebody's hair goes another six inches. In a rainbow of colors, kids. So, uh, but I want to see more of Zelina. It's always good to see Horny. It's always good to be Horny because he's a nice little guy. Uh, also, the NFL doesn't doesn't escape the wrath this week. They were all over this pet coon goofy thing last week. They got the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, I can tell you this from what from trying to watch excerpts or snippets. Of the Pro Bowl, the NFL Pro Bowl, that concept is dead as hell. It's deader than wool tights. It's deader than short, leather, stiff, ugly black boots. Dead. Because uh, you can't have an athletic event where the audience can see that the athletes competing are not serious. So what am I now? Tell me again what I'm supposed to get emotionally invested in. Well, I'm not serious. You're not serious about the game. So why should I be serious about watching? Or, and better yet, why am I watching? Pro Bowl concept is dead. Absolutely dead. And the NFL officiating woes linger. Lousy. I said this before, folks. Mark my words now. Mark my words. And you guys are in, in mainstream sports listening to the show. And there are a lot of you that do. And I appreciate you. The talent pool to uh, develop officials in every sport is lessening immensely. At some point in time, the attrition rate, just the sheer numbers of the scenario, is going to tell us and show us more prominently that the officiating scenario in high school, in college, and in the NFL, whatever, is going to be shaky at best. 
more shaky in the future than maybe forever in history. Because a lot of millennials don't want to get their ass chewed for fifty or hundred bucks. Uh, it's it's not they're not they don't have it in them to want to go out and be a f- official and and uh, dedicate their uh, a, a night a week for their with their team and to to officiate football or basketball or something. It's going to get worse because the the pond is not filling up with great prospects. Have you, when's the last time you read about a really uh, highly level organized officiating uh, scouting program? If they, if they're out there, then they got a piss poor marketing department because I've never heard of them. The worst days of big time officiating, hell, the the worst days of officiating in general in athletics are still to come. Trust me. And the winner of this week's Petcoon Goofy Award falling on the heels of United Airlines is Delta Airlines. I explained some of my travel woes. You know, you, you don't expect uh, four flights I had with Delta, three of them boarded late, no explanation given. That's what, that's what airlines don't understand. They become omnipotent when you get to the counter or you get in the damn the airport. And notwithstanding, what you get, when you get on a plane, I get it. But out in the in a, the the you find that the gate agents don't like the flight the flight crew as a rule. A female gate agent is catty as hell to the female flight attendants. My wife said years ago that women don't like each other. I think she might have been right. But man, Delta dropped the ball on me big time. I get booked. And they say they, they always use the same excuse. Well, regulations this or this is what we're required to do. Uh, when I said, well, you can fly me. I don't want to fly and coach if I've paid for first class. I got no problem flying coach, but if I paid for first class, I want to sit in first class. Simple as that. That's like going to a steakhouse and order a steak and they bring a piece of fish. Maybe better for you in the long run. I don't know. Maybe what you ordered. So, Delta, you're this week's Pet Coon Goofy Award winner. I will fly you again, but your chances are running out. It's time for this week in wrestling, one of my favorite segments of our program. And uh, before we get there, uh, remember that if you like our food products, uh, that you can buy them online at www.shop.com. Barbecue sauces, chipotle ketchup, jalapeno honey mustard, uh, the all-purpose seasoning, beef jerky, etc., etc. It's all made in Oklahoma. Uh, It's all good stuff. Uh, and I am very appreciative of the fact that you support our efforts. It's more of an homage to my late wife and my mom because they were really the backbone of it and the brain, brain trust of uh, uh, creating recipes and my love for being a foodie. Uh, so uh, check them out, www.shop.com. Uh, of course, my friends, over 200 Ingalls grocery stores, finest grocery stores in the southeastern part of America, uh, have JRs on their shelf, which we we are so so uh, happy for. We're very lucky. Has so many wonderful partners. And remember, every bottle that you buy at Ingalls, a portion of every sale goes to Headlock on Hunger. Uh, that is is uh, led by my dear friend Bill Murdoch. Headlockonhunger.org. Uh, it feeds hungry children when they're not in school. And you find out that, you know, 25% or more of kids in America do not eat if they're not in school or in a school activity. 
mom and dad both working if they got a dad in the home some of those deadbeats aren't there and uh you know it's just it's just there's nothing there's not there's nothing to go around it's sad so uh check that out www.shop.com and uh ingles grocery stores for uh our products and at, at, generally at these comic cons that we go to and our shows in new york for wrestlemania week etc we'll have all those products there so you'll be able to stock up if you're if you're uh, of the mindset well 34 years ago folks it was uh, february the 5th 1985 convention hall philadelphia pennsylvania it was a uh, dual show promoted by uh, jim crockett promotions and the awa well how, how would you like to try to figure that one out who's going on first who's going to go over i'm going to use my finish no i'm going to do so let's read the let's read this and see where we see what we think uh on that show magnum ta defeated the super destroyer dick slater defeated joel deaton superstar billy graham defeated brian adidas the team of ole anderson mr congeniality and thunderbolt patterson defeated the team of rip rogers who's got a great book out and ted oates they retained the nwa national tag team championship tully blanchard the daddy of tess who was on our show a couple weeks ago uh performing every uh friday night on women wow on access tv uh tully defeated manny fernandez to retain the nwa tv title that's when the tv title meant something tully blanchard i believe made the tv title mean more than anybody in the business ever but he was really really good uh rick flair defeated ricky steamboat no dq so far wahoo mcdaniel retained the nwa u.s championship after uh a no contest finish with ronnie garvin so what they did beat the hell out of each other referee threw it out and they worked to return and the team of bob backland and the american dream are you an assassin or an errand boy defeated the team of black bart and ron bass did you see that one coming so uh big show 34 years ago 1985 that might have been one of magnum's first events for jim crocker promotions after leaving mid-south uh 31 years ago at market square arena in indianapolis a historic wrestling event took place the wwf main event it was the first of five episodes of the main event that aired on nbc network television and what that means that uh the main event was the first sports entertainment programming to air in prime time on network television since 1955. Televised matches including Strike Force defeating the Hart Foundation to retain the WWF tag titles. You, you understand? I bet that match probably went on first because it was such a good match. You get the fuel to see it and stay tuned. Honky Tonk Man retained the Intercontinental title despite a countout loss to Randy Savage. Andre the Giant defeated then-champion Hulk Hogan to earn the WWF World Heavyweight title, thus ending Hogan's historic four-year reign. After the match, Andre surrendered the title to Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, and it was subsequently, it meaning the title, was vacated pending a championship tournament at WrestleMania Four. Historic day. And, you know, people say, was the, were the territory guys pissed at Vince for all this growth and were the territory guys pissed at Vince for out promoting them, for thinking ahead, for being a businessman? I worked for one very hard-headed, staunch businessman, a cowboy Bill Watts. He was not pissed at Vince. He was thankful that Vince created a, a more of a awareness for the product. 
and we felt like we had in Mid-South a damn good product. So the more people that were checking out and, and sampling pro wrestling again, and they, they sampled us at Mid-South and UWF, we had a shot at their business. Pretty simple. 28 years ago, this is a fun show. I rem- you know, I can really remember this. Uh, the Georgia Mountain Center, north of Atlanta in Gainesville, uh, I enjoyed going there selfishly because it was a very easy car ride from my home in Atlanta, uh, straight up the interstate. But it was a Clash of Champions, Dixie Dynamite, of course. Uh, it marked Dusty Rhodes' return to WCW after a brief WWS stint. And uh, Dusty was the booker, uh, executive producer, and he also did color commentary on that show with yours truly. Uh, always love working with Dream. I had a great relationship with him and the, the fact that he would book something. He would sit down with me for 15, 20 minutes before a show, no matter the pay-per-view or what. I didn't need to know how to make the watch. Just tell me what time it is. And that's what he wanted to do. He, did, he wanted to get through this thing. He'd give you the four, the four or five major points that he wanted to establish in the show per match. If there are four, not four points each match, but this match we want to tell this story, this match we want to tell this story, then he would leave the storytelling up to me. He didn't tell me what to say, you know, but, but we worked well together. We had great chemistry, and I loved him. I still love him. I still miss him. The undercard that night uh, had the team of Lex Luger and Sting defeating the team of Butch Reed and Ron Simmons by disqualification. Tom Zink defeated Bobby Eaton to retain the TV title. The team of Arn Anderson and Barry Wyndham, boy, were they good, defeated the Young Bloods. They were good, too. Uh, Brian Pillman defeated Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, you little rascal. Missy Hyatt defeated Paul E. Dangerously to win an arm wrestling wink-wink match. I saw some tape that the other day. It was interestingly laid out. Heyman, was, he, he was, he's such a performer. And Missy did a good job, too. So, but she made the people happy uh, with her win in the arm wrestling contest after a slight distraction. Something that has to do with double vision, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and the main event of that clash, Ric Flair uh, versus Scott Steiner. I love the booking of this. World heavyweight title. Uh, it ended in a time limit draw after almost 25 minutes, meaning the time limit draw meaning the television time. So the match is one fall to a finish, television time remaining. And they went almost 20, 25 minutes. That's plenty, plenty for your main event, for God's sakes. And uh, I love the draw. When you take away time limits, you eliminate the possibility of using a draw as a finish. And to me, that just doesn't make any sense if you want your product and your your performers to be perceived as athletes in an athletic presentation. But I remember that show working with the dream. I can't remember what they had there that he and I liked. Bad food. It might have been hot dogs. You know, great broadcasting teams have to have a pregame meal. For me and the dream, it was a hot dog. Because it was on the house. Uh... Also, uh, finally, this week in wrestling, I remember this very well, as, uh, too, because it's 14 years ago. Man, it's amazing, amazing how time flies uh, when you're having the fun, proverbially. On February the 4th, 2005, uh, the Super Arena in Satama, Monday Night Raw taping. Uh, I love this uh, show. I love going to the fans. were great. Huge crowd. Chris Benoit defeated Chris Jericho in a submission match. 
two artisans, two Canadians, eh? Well, uh, that, uh, that uh, Stu Hart would say that uh, Jericho was a trainee of my uh, dungeon. I think I made him piss himself one time. Do you know when he came to the dungeon, he was 6'2". Uh, Batista defeated uh, Maven in 32 seconds. Damn it, I had the over under in 30. The team of Tajiri and William Regal, in my view, was always one of the more underrated duos. Entertaining as hell. They could both wrestle. Uh, when they want to be serious, they could damn sure be serious, but they had a great entertainment feel as well. I love that team. They defeated uh, La Resistance, Rob Conway, and Sylvan Granier. I think Sylvan was one of Pat Patterson's uh, guys from Montreal. Broke him in, mentored him. Uh, anyway, uh, Tajiri and Regal in, in the Satana Super Arena won the WWE Tag Team titles. Shawn Michaels defeated Ric Flair. It's TV match now. Randy Orton defeated Tyson Tomko. In the main event, Triple H defeated, as Pat Patterson would say, Hedge. Adam Copeland, Edge. Hell of a TV show, huh? Nice job. The next night, we're back there uh, for the SmackDown taping. Uh, good card there, too. Eddie Guerrero was on it. Uh, the Basham Brothers and uh, Luther Reigns and, and Mark Jendrak ended in a draw. Considering that neither team was over, it might have been the most judicious finish for them to go to Broadway. Shofanaki defeated Chavo Guerrero. John Cena defeated Orlando Jordan. Tori Wilson defeated Hiroko in the vaunted, much-desired, must-fantasized kimono match. <laughs> I don't even remember what the hell that was. But somebody, I'm sure, showed some, some skin. And the more skin that Tori Wilson could show in that day, or tomorrow, or today, the better. I saw something of her on the, online. She's done a lot of health things. She's very health conscious. God, she looks amazing. She looks like a, uh, a marathoner, a triathlete or something. Really amazing. Discipline and what I don't have, diet and exercise. I need more of that. I need a life partner. The cook can take me to the gym. Uh, main event of the SmackDown show was Kurt Angle defeating Ray Mysterio. Fun times over there. A crew going to, and I was there two days and, Actually, longer than that, I think. They were so before. But uh, it was fun. Fun times. Uh, birthdays. Let's get to the birthdays real quick here. On Today, on Wednesday, two-time NWA Texas heavyweight champion, the late Sailor Art Thomas, a, a very massively strong African-American athlete. Great look. A Sailor Art would, would have been 95 uh, today. Drake Maverick is uh, celebrating a birthday today. He's 36. Very talented kid, no doubt. And the big one here today, Wednesday, you should tweet her if you choose. Uh, Becky Lynch is 32 years old today on Wednesday. Happy birthday to the man. On Thursday, uh, the man responsible for integrating Major League Baseball, the late great Jackie Robinson, would have been 100 Former WWE United States champion, Dave Fit Finley, who up close, if you look at him long enough, looks like Elton John's evil brother. The little gap in the teeth, a little bit of an accent there, a little you know, the hair color, I think whatever it is lately, gray, I don't know. 
tough dude man tough dude i remember interviewing dave finley for a job after wcw closed i met with him and a bunch of guys from wcw arn anderson and malenko dean and john laurinaitis and others at the uh, ritz carlton hotel in buckhead and had meetings for two or three days but i remember dave uh, talking to me about coming to work at wwf wwe now of course and uh he's that's, that was a great hire i've been fortunate enough to be involved uh, and a participant in many hires but guys like anderson arn and and fit malenko those those guys go under stated about how important those hires were for our company at that time on friday the late herb welch will be 111 you didn't hear me say he's late he's herb's not alive at 111 which he was Two-time NWA Texas heavyweight champion Dory Dixon, uh, 84. Another very muscular African-American athlete. Those guys had they, they had to find a place to fit because, quite honestly, much like the women in the territory era, the African-American athlete was not welcomed with open arms by anybody. Someday I'm going to have to write a book about that. How the And how the men treated the women – you know, when the women come to a territory, let's say that uh, Moolah would send in four four ladies for a tag match for the for two weeks. So they'd work, you know, 12, 13 shots. But when those four women were booked, four of the men that were working on the undercard would be left off. So the guys that were making the least amount of money in the territory got no money because they were not booked because the women had taken their spots. I'm not advocating that's how to do it. You could add them to the card. There's ways to figure that out. But it created animosity. And they had to dress in less than uh, decent dressing facilities like a closet or it with the men. And the abuse, the verbal abuse they took uh, was uh, embarrassing. Embarrassing. But same for the black athlete. And Dory Dixon, to my point, was a very talented black athlete who basically wrestled mostly in Texas because that's where he could find the most steady work. Uh, two-time WWF World Tag Team Champion with Mr. Fuji, by the way, the late Masa Saito. Would have been 77 on Friday. Tough dude, boy. Just don't go throw no rocks at a McDonald's. Two-time Mid-South Tag Champion with the Midnight Express, the great Dennis Condry is my age, 67. And uh, I know Dennis... Uh, Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, and of course, uh, the inimitable James E. Cornette will be doing some appearances this year. That uh, if you're a Midnight Express fan, a wrestling fan, uh, you need to check out. And you can do all that at thejimcornette.com. Uh, one of my favorite shows was Dexter on Showtime. Man, I've been consuming a lot of Showtime product lately. Uh, but the star of Dexter back in the day. Michael C. Hall, 48 years old on Friday. Very talented dude. I saw where his sister and TV sister is now on another show. I can't remember the name of it. Kind of playing the same thing, a detective or a CIA person or some dramatic deal. Uh, anyway, uh, good show. And last but not least on Friday, ladies and gentlemen, much like Becky Lynch was on Wednesday, Ronda Rousey is 32 years of age on Friday. Happy birthday to Mrs. Travis Brown. Saturday, the three-time AJPW Triple Crown Heavyweight Champion, 
Tenru. Generico Tenru. 69. The star of A&E's Dog the Bounty Hunter, Dog Chapman, 67 on Saturday. Now look, I'm 67. The dog is 67. Who do you love? Who looks like they might live another day? <laughs> oh, I gotta take that back. Uh, the reigning, defending MLW World Middleweight Champion, by the way, Teddy Hart's 39. Though it seems impossible to me because I, I met him when he's like a teen. Talented, talented uh, kid. Former Impact Wrestling X Division Champion Brian Cage is 35. On Sunday, fellow WWE Hall of Famer, one of the greatest NWA champions of all time. A man I respect greatly. He was a big part, along with Tom Pritchard, in training so many of the great stars that you grew up watching, many of you, on the Ernie Attitude Era. Dory Funk Jr. will be 78 on Sunday. Uh, My brother Dory and I will kick your goddamn ass, Ross, you Oklahoma fat bastard. Okay, Terry, take it easy. Dory, 78 on Sunday. Many, many more, my friend. On Monday, the First Lady of Civil Rights, the late Rosa Parks, would have been 106. The Godfather of Shock Rock, Alice Cooper, 71. He's still going, man. Gives guys like me hope. Why retired to do what? 71, he's still touring. My, I want to be working past 70. That's my plan. NFL Hall of Fame linebacker for the New York Giants. The New York football giants. Uh, LT, Lawrence Taylor, 60. And I wonder what the over-under was back about 20 years ago on, on LT even living to be 60. Oh, what days. Former TNA World Heavyweight Champion Chris Saban, 37. And uh, on Tuesday, finally, MLB uh, Hall of Famer Hammerin' Hank Aaron, 85 years old. Former NWA Georgia heavyweight champion, the late crazy Luke Graham, uh, was would, would have been seventy nine, and also on Tuesday, uh, a man considered by many to be the greatest footballer in the entire world, Cristiano Ronaldo, thirty four. Well, what I wouldn't give to be live his life one weekend. Five-time Impact Knockouts champion Madison Rain will be 33 on Tuesday. And NXT superstar Brennan Williams, the ripe old 28. Yep, I got socks that are over 28 years of age in my drawer. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a wrap on the birthdays. Remember, all you guys that are alive, <laughs> uh, that you have a great birthday. Hope the fans will tweet you or get back to you let you know they heard on your on this show that we're lauding your birthday and you enjoy it and wherever you do kids remember good old jr's got the cake you've got mail mailbag time you got a little mail here i got mail from you guys remember the jim ross report at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us our new producer dennis uh sean cradle's been helping us out rafael morphy on the crew we got a, our staff is growing uh it takes many men to replace the mighty Ted Woods. Uh, and seriously, we wish Ted the very best. And uh, he's going to be producing a morning drive radio show in San Diego. We wish him the best. He's a good dude. Did a great job here for this crazy, unruly machine that we call a podcast. Uh, mailbag from Patrick and Sherman Oaks, speaking of Ted in California. 
Sherman Oaks. When TV coverage cuts away to commercial from a match while it's still happening, do the announcers still continue to call the match as if the TV audience can hear it? Or do you stop and take a break? In the past, when he went to commercial break, you uh, stopped. And you could watch the match on your monitor to see if there's anything you need to bring forward when you come back from commercial break. But generally, you just you're, you lay out. Now, because I'm not there any longer, uh, working on, the, on, that, on that side of the business, uh, I don't know how they do it. I do like the fact that sometimes when they have those, uh, those t- the double box, they have the wrestling on one side and the commercial on the other, and you, obviously the audio is going to be the commercial. But I don't know, Patrick and Sherman Oaks, how that works nowadays, but usually we just laid out. From Liam in Southampton, England. H.A.R., uh, love the show, love the slobber knocker of my life in wrestling, and enjoyed listening to the live special with the king. What do you have to do that against on these days here on the mighty Westwood One? As an Englishman, I also enjoy it when you riff about football slash soccer. More of that, please. Well, I need I need to educate myself in that game better because I'm a fan of the game, but I'm not a student of the game, and that's on me. I know you've often spoken about your appearances commentating with the King and Paul Heyman, but I often wonder how did you enjoy commentating as the as a third man along. Side the King on color and Vince McMahon doing play-by-play. I loved it because we knew exactly by listening to Vince where we were going because he write, he was writing it by and large. He was still the boss. So we followed his lead. And I thought, uh, I'm not a big fan of three-man teams because everybody seems compelled to, uh, they find, they, they figure out or they think they figured out when they get on a three-man team that are now paid by the word. So everybody wants to get their shit in. And that's what, generally what it ends up being, doo-doo. So consequently, uh, Vince was great. And that was the, the, the three-man team we had, well, I thought was very entertaining. We got all our points in. We had a nice little riff, Lawler, myself, and Vince. He took shots at me and Lawler, uh, and as Lawler was a heel then, and a, and a really good one. Uh, and I was just a, the old frumpy boy from uh, Oklahoma. But I liked it. I had a good time. And it's the, it's the only three-man team that I worked on that I would have really – like to have done more in that combination, if that makes any sense. But it was good when Vince went to become Mr. McMahon. It opened the door for Lauder and I to stay out there by ourselves and do our thing, and it was the uh, best time, best of all times. Uh, book title suggestion from Jim Big Smoke. Big Smoke says, Hi, JR. I'd like the title of your new book to be Slobberknocker 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> All right, Big Smoke. Uh, guest suggestion from Ashley in Pennsylvania. Hello. I'm Ashley from Pennsylvania. I was thinking you should have Lita and Trish on the podcast, either separately or together. Lita has been always been a favorite of mine. Her and Trish have been doing signings together, so I thought maybe you'd catch the two of them. Uh, I might do that, but it, I've, on the, when you have them doing an interview on the phone, it's daunting to do it with two people. So there are three of you on the line. Really daunting, a lot of talking over, uh, not my cup of tea. But I would love to have either on any time that they'd like to come on and promote what they're doing. They're both very good guests, and I have a lot of respect for both ladies, no doubt. And finally, for the mailbag, remember, thejimross at gmail.com is your address. This is from Colton Fleetwood in Oklahoma. Colton, don't call me Mick Fleetwood. Jr. fellow Oklahoman here. 
I took my six-year-old son to his first WWE event in Oklahoma City on Monday night, January 21st. That was a Monday night raw. And I was shocked at how many empty seats there were, for one, and two, the crowd was almost silent. Both of these things never happened when I was a kid in the myriad. Hell, even the minor league hockey team had better crowds and reactions here. Do you think this is due to the WWE's poor creativity and character development, or do you believe it is just due to the change of errors? I believe this, uh, and I've heard the chairman of WWE say this many times. If you give the audience what they want, they will come. And the fact that WWE, as far as the general perception is concerned, has not a plethora of over, above the title, constant main event level talents. I truly believe that there's a belief that within WWE that they have one man that's really over. His name is Brock Lesnar. I don't know what they feel about the women because it's obvious that there's more than, more than just Ronda Rousey that's over in the women's side, which is beautiful. But I just think that if you give the fans what they want to see, they will still support the product. I believe that. But the old story is if you, if you don't give them what they want to see, they're going to, they're going to set home. Because think about it. If you, don't have a, you don't have a talent that's red hot, that's on a roll, that's on an upper trajectory, that's got momentum, trending up, trending up, trending up. Man, they, sometimes they cut you loose and cut you off, and, you, and, the, and, the, and the moving up just stops. So the momentum stops, and that ain't good. So if more talents was on an upswing, uptrending, maybe you get more interest in that respect. Uh, the only time I heard any advertising was on, I think, maybe one or two radio stations, and I, heard, I saw spots within Raw, TV spots within Monday Night Raw. And they're all good, but I, I, I was probably uh, – the, the market, the local market probably could have been promoted a little bit more uh, aggressively. Let's put it that way. But again, same old deal, man. If you give the fans what they want to see, they'll buy a ticket. And that's a look at our mailbag this week. Remember, uh, you can get uh, ideas, suggestions, questions uh, to me here at the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com. been a long time so i got to catch up with uh mike johnson pro wrestling insider just celebrating 15 years in business uh and mike congratulations on that and, and how are you i'm good jr thank you so much yeah it's uh 15 years since we flipped the switch and we dave share and i came over and dave launched pwinsider.com and i've been there full-time since that day and that's been my full-time profession since the day that site officially launched so it was a uh, a nice milestone for myself personally. I had a lot of kind of a lot of reflection, and uh, I realized how old I am. <laughs> was, I was in my twenties when that started, and now I, now I'm I'm a young forty four. So uh, I feel like I've given a lot of time to this website, and I'm I'm very blessed by it. Wonderful. When I was in my twenties, I was driving a blind promoter from his home to the uh, television tapings in Louisiana. Always an adventure with Leroy McGurk. Uh, so we all our twenties. Every every generation should be, or every decade should be, a uh, special time. And man, you you got you got into the business with your with your site pwinsider.com. I'm a regular uh, there, folks. Have been for a long time. So it's a it's a great site to uh, engage when you get the opportunity. And you, opportunity's pretty easy. Log on. It's there. 
24 7 seven days a week all, with all with good news the thing about you guys mike is that i noticed that uh and, and dave sometimes becomes a little bit more opinionated on agendas that he is very passionate about and i appreciate that quite frankly uh i'd like to think i have some of those same traits but you remain you remain your objectivity much more often than not do you ever find that kind of daunting to try to say okay i want to i want to be the reporter but i got an opinion is it hard to balance that sometimes I try really hard to make sure that I always write comma in my opinion when I'm kind of putting that stuff in. I was very lucky. You know, I, when, when I learned about journalism and writing, it was always about the facts first and the opinion second. And that's kind of the way that my brain operates. So, I, I, you know, even if it's someone I don't particularly care for on a personal level, I always try to maintain some sort of objectivity there and to be fair to them. And then if I've got a if I've got to give an opinion, I'll kind of save it for an audio, or I will you know one of our audio shows on PWInsiderElite.com. And you know, as you said, Dave is a very opinionated soul. I am too, but I feel like my role with PW Insider is to chase the facts and chase the stories, and hopefully break the stories accurately and timely. And you know, to me, that's more important than telling everybody what Mike Johnson thinks about said story. I was watching a uh, program on HBO night or two ago about uh the two great writers in new york jimmy breslin and uh bill gallo i think it was and, and jimmy breslin was a very outspoken character you know bigger than life uh type dude but you know i miss uh i miss reading those opinions because it's not the giving an opinion is a provocative way of writing being a columnist whether it's writing about pro wrestling or, or politics or whatever it may be. Uh, but you, somewhere in that story, your data that you provide to back up your theory has to be accurate data. It has to be, in, you know, on point information. Those guys always backed up their theory or their, their opinion and strong opinion with fact as they saw it and as they knew it. And I always, they always gave their opinion more credence. I think if more guys would do that now, like you're saying, give me some balance. Give me the facts. Now give me your opinion. And, and as, a, as a craftsman, weave it together. So now I get what you're saying, and I understand your point of view, even though I may not agree with it. Well, I, I kind of feel like we live in like this knee-jerk, hot-take reaction universe now where, all right, Dean Ambrose might be leaving WWE. You know, like the the idea of, of kind of threading through the story and looking at the good and bad, that's been pushed out of the way in a lot of places by the immediate, oh my God, this is going to be amazing, or oh my God, the sky is falling. And that's and I think with Twitter and social media and, you know, opinions and stories being reduced to 140 characters in some places, like we've lost that ability and that patience to kind of dive in deep on certain things. And I think a lot of it is that race to get to the content as quickly as possible and to have people read that content as quickly as possible. You know, you mentioned Breslin and Gallo. I had to go to press once a day. I might put up 20 or 30 different posts on PW Insider over the course of the day mm. and record one, two, three audios. Sometimes you'll have that opportunity to go deeper. Sometimes the, the content's just coming so quick because there's so many shows that you don't have a chance to take that deep breath and, and, and dive deeper into a story. Tell me this about this uh, community that you work in. Uh, I'll make it very clear that I, I'm a, you know, I read, I read the torch and I read, I've been reading Meltzer for 30 plus years. Uh, I'm a, I'm a very vociferous reader of your, you guys stuff there on pro wrestling insider. Uh, there are other sites I read Russell zone. I, I check out 
There's a lot of them when I have time or I'm on an airplane or I'm waiting on an airplane or whatever the case may be. So, but tell me this, the general public, the average Joe wrestling fan doesn't really understand what, when we, when they read sources say, or Dean, uh, uh, Ambrose is reportedly leaving WWE. He has allegedly asked for, you know, according to three sources I saw on a, a, a torch story on that matter. As a matter of fact, uh, how do you create your network? Cause it's gotta be exclusive to you to some degree of your sources that you have confidence in that if you use them as a source, that they're not going to make you look like Ned in the first reader. I, I think it, it, you know, it, it comes through trial and error and I've had 15 years of networking and meeting people in different places and pro wrestling and building relationships with them. And it's never easy because when you think about what, what myself or any other reporter on this business does, they're writing about the magic tricks and got, trying to get the magicians to tell them how the sleight of hand is done. So there's always a kind of pull back and forth between how much information you're going to get. And, you know, some relationships will be someone, someone will trust you enough that they call you. And I've certainly had a number of late night phone calls where there are wrestlers who are upset and you've got to kind of talk them off the ledge and remind them, well, listen, you might not be happy, but you're making more money than the average person is going to make in a year getting to do something that you care about. So maybe it's not as bad as you think. And sometimes it'll be a relationship where I'll hear something and someone wouldn't specifically reach out to me. But if I say, hey, I'm hearing this, is this right? They might say yes, but, or yes, it is. And you at least know you're on the right track. And you have to kind of double and triple check things as often as you can. There's no exact science to it. And the one thing I've learned in, in 15 years of doing this is sources come and go. You have to protect yourself by kind of reaching out and talking to as many people as you can. And I also feel like, you know, for me personally, the most important thing that I've done is not just try to write about wrestling or learn just about wrestling, but I will read all the entertainment trade publications, The Hollywood Reporter and uh, Deadline Hollywood and Variety. And I will read a lot of sports books and I'll read a lot of books about TV and film to get different insight into different ways I can write about wrestling. Like I'll go to a lot of Broadway and there'll be things that I'll think of watching Hamilton or, or something like that. And where I'll go, Oh, you know what? I didn't think about this sort of production technique. I should see why WWE does it a certain way. So to me, it's, it's, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like a recipe. You're always kind of figuring it out and refining it and trying to figure out the best way to make it without spoiling everything for yourself. You know, it's, it's not an easy task. I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure it isn't. Uh, and but I, I find it would be challenging, you know, some, you know, you're in a situation where you, you really, you can't reveal your sources, uh, to protect them and, and, uh, their families, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you gotta, there's a certain protocol to follow, but then I, I would feel, I would feel really, uh, odd to be waiting by the phone. And I'm sure you don't do that, but I'm, but it's hard to, it's hard to go about the business of reporting and gathering facts. And all the while I remain off the record or off the radar. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm looking at it over simplistically. I'm not sure. But I, I, are you able to be as aggressive on running down a story in the pro wrestling world, knowing that your, your sources have to be protected or cause it's a little unlike, uh, somebody said, well, I talked to Tom Brady this week about the Super Bowl on Sunday. And he said blank. It, it, it depends on the day and the week. I feel like when talents are on the road, you have to be very judicious with how you reach out to them and when, because you don't know who they're with, who they're traveling with, who they're in the room with, 
what meeting they're in, and you, the last thing you want is to be sitting in a room with Vince McMahon and suddenly Mike Johnson's name pops up on your cell phone. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't imagine that's good for anybody's business. Um, you know, there's a lot of late night phone calls and there's a lot of early morning texts and there's a lot of people who, uh, when I, I talk on a regular basis too, but when I see them in public, I act like I don't know them and I walk past them. You have to protect them. Good point. And it kind of answers the, a lot of that question, the, the, my general questioning in that regard. The news of the weekend obviously came out of Arizona where WWE was in Phoenix uh as you and i record this they're they're doing one more show on tuesday night i'm recording a day early this week uh but uh, the uh phoenix was a site of a lot of things and the funny and it's funny what people pick out of all that content to focus on for example uh after everybody kind of takes her says without that matter of factly that nxt was the best show of the weekend okay I don't have a problem. It's your opinion. I don't have at it. I'm not going to make a, I can't make a point to talk you off that ledge because you may be exactly right. Uh, but the seemingly the biggest news was the length of the show on, on, uh, Sunday night, the rumble. And I think that people missed the point a little bit, uh, and the decision makers I'm talking about, not the fans missing the point because any way you slice a show, that's going to be four plus hours. Uh, as a, per, a f- performance going four plus hours is going to be challenging to 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 deal with. I don't give a damn who you are. There's things like uh, going to the bathroom and eating and being you know being hungry, being tired, standing up, stretching, whatever it may be. But man, when you think of it, when you factor in my point of the, getting the kids up, getting everybody dressed, getting a little something to eat, hop in the car, driving to the arena, one of those forty eight thousand people, you're getting there middle of the afternoon. And you're going to get there late late at night. So I read online the other day, and I'm sure you, you probably have talked to people the, the same basic thing. They were in that facility for over seven hours. Yeah, that well, I I was in that I was in that position. Uh, WrestleMania in Orlando and WrestleMania in New Orleans, where it's you know you feel like you're, you've got squatters' rights by the time the show's over. <laughs> you know you're you're there forever, and you know I it's kind of the nature of the beast for them now. They want to create these huge milestone events that are like the Super Bowl or the World Series, they, you know, they, and also Mardi Gras Broadway at the same time. And they want to do as much as they can to create this unique special content so that people continue to subscribe to the WWE Network. You know, just like it used to be, we, we got to do two hours and 45 minutes of great content in their mind every month for a pay-per-view. Now they've got all this content, you know, they like to use the word super serve, and, you know, between NXT and the Rumble, how could you not feel you got $10 worth of content? I also think while it sucks to be there for five, six, seven hours, um, they're looking at it from a, a larger vision, which is once it's done, people can go back and watch it and, and consume it via video on demand any way they want. And is that seven hours of content all that different from watching 13 episodes of Orange is the New Black in one sitting, which people do religiously when the new season of that comes out on Netflix. So I think they kind of look at it not as like one show, but they look at it as a, a, a complete event that will live on on their network and people can watch any way, shape, or form they want. But when you're there live, and, and I've been to a lot of the Summer Slams and things like that, either sitting in the crowd or in the press box, it can get a little tiresome. And It's taxing to say the very least. It certainly is not in anybody's common sense. Is it is this event of that length, any event of that length, 
uh, fan-friendly. If you're a fan-friendly, meaning live fan attendance-friendly. It's just too damn long, in my opinion. And uh, the thing about it, somebody said, uh, 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 I read where it was an interesting comment, too. Now, some of the stuff I, I listened to Busted Open today uh, as before we recorded this, I'm a big I'm a big uh, fan of uh, Dave LaGreca, and today he had t- on Tuesday it was Mark Henry, and Billy Rayzon. I think the rest of the week I'm not sure, but nonetheless it's a great show on Sirius Channel 93 uh, on Monday through Friday. It's great for the wrestling business. I hear your name mentioned on there from time to time. So it's, it's great for all of us that they're there, and I appreciate them very much. Uh, but the fan friendliness aspect is something that I don't think is taken into consideration enough, and I, I just. Somebody said on the show, why wasn't the uh, uh, AJ Styles, uh, Daniel Bryant match have more uh, crowd intensity or heat? Well, first of all, you know that some of the intensity is going to leave in the sky because you're outdoors. Uh, But uh, we heard some loud noises at times introduced by Becky Lynch and others. But I think part of that, Mike, is people are tired at that time of night. I, I I was watching that match and I said, God... This is a real good match, but nobody seems to care. I listen. I adjusted my volume, and this, I'm, I'm right. There's nobody's making any noise here. So, I also think emotionally, the crowd was was done after the Becky Lynch story. Like they peaked for that, you know. Like when Lana was in the aisle, hurt before there was any sign of Becky, they were we want Becky chance in that crowd that you could hear on the broadcast. When Becky comes out and she goes through her whole thing and. You think about the, the trials and tribulations that she went through in getting losing to Asuka, getting into the match. Then she is throwing people out, and it comes down to her and Charlotte. She's get, she gets injured. Now she's fighting from behind. She finally overcomes Charlotte, her one of her top rivals, and suddenly Becky Lynch has accomplished the quest. The hero's journey is completed. She's captured what she wants, which is a, a chance to go and rematch against Ronda Rousey. If you're a wrestling fan, you went on this great emotional roller coaster with Becky Lynch, but there was a whole other match that ran well over an hour by the time it was over. And so, of course, you're going to be you're going to be a little exhausted and a little emotionally drained. I think you know it was just the unfortunate placement of the show. Uh, you know, and every, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I don't think anything emotionally could have topped what they did with Becky Lynch that night. But All right, bring match on in the middle. All right, brings up this point then. At WrestleMania, you got Lesnar and Rollins. You've got Becky and Ronda. Those could be tweaked some way, shape, or form. I'm assuming, obviously, uh, the booking's done with a pencil. It has, and pencils have erasers; they're easy to change. I'd like to think that they're they're locked in. If that is the case, then who closes the WrestleMania? And uh, if if you pick A to close WrestleMania, then where do you put match B? Do you, do you back it off another hour earlier and then let it rebuild to the crescendo of the final match tonight? That's kind of what I would do. When I went to Mania in New Orleans, I felt like every hour sort of had its own specific main event. And obviously Brock and Roman went on last. To me, I feel like, you know, what's the best emotional story that they have? As a wrestling fan, emotion is always what caught my eye. You know, whether it was Midnight Express against Rock and Roll Express and Jim Cornette's antics or Dusty and Flair and Dusty's emotional promos going up against the Four Horsemen, or Steve Austin trying to get to the championship and, and, and drive Vince McMahon crazy. You know, emotion to me is always the key, much more than what's going on in the ring. To me, I want mm-hmm. to see a good story. I feel like the best story they have, especially after the back and forth they had on Monday Night Raw, is Ronda and Becky. And I think if anything other than Ronda and Becky, 
main events or closes that show, they've done a disservice to the entire narrative of the women's evolution that they've built the last couple of years. I feel like that is the ultimate moment that the women's division at this point in time could have. I think based on the fan reactions we see every week in those buildings on Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-views, that's what they want to see as the main event. And I, I would all due respect to Brock and Seth, those guys have main evented before. They probably will main event again, especially Seth. I think this is the the the, the first year, and hopefully there will be many other years, Ronda and Becky sh- at, at, representing the women's division should be the main event of that show. Well, it's a nice problem to have. You've got two great attractions. I don't think you can make a women's match. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe you can. But I can't see them on the horizon where you can make a bigger more emotionally invested women's match than uh, Becky and Ronda. Uh, and I'm with you on continuing the growth of the, uh, of the women's movement, I think is very, very important. Uh, who closes that show tells a major story. One of the biggest statements that they, that, uh, of the last two years they worked on, what a statement, man, like you said, and they closed, they closed WrestleMania. Uh, I would have Lesnar and Heyman uh, be able to get out of the building early, put it on the middle, uh, build to it, give it, give it plenty of time. It's whatever time you need, because if you go on that early, also, Mike, there's no issues. The, the talents believe they got a net for their time, their time restrictions. Well, if I go over where well, they go, we're not going off the air. There's a whole two hours of show left or whatever. So I, I'm with, I think you put Lesnar on and early, he and Heyman should be eating dinner somewhere before the WrestleMania is over. And then they close the show with, uh, the glitz and the glamour of the the hullabaloo with Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. And to be quite frank about it, if you want people to be happy and remember the WrestleMania moment for years to come, the confetti comes down and falls around the Irish lass. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. And then the next day you reset and you, and you start anew, which is what that company does. Cause you know, as well as I do the second, the day after WrestleMania, there's already people working, not even on creative, but behind the scenes on the look, the feel, the theme, the staging, the production of the next WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with that. The I, I've I got a little I've been a little bit miffed, Mike, with some of our fans, uh, and and I can say this I think because I'm still a fan. I started this business as a fan. When my time comes to go out, it'll be as a fan. So uh, that's my opinion opinion of that matter. But man, some fans are just brutal on uh, the 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 negativity toward Ronda Rousey is is uh because it it passes heel babyface angst it becomes personal to some of them in the way they sound and what they write in, in their 140 characters god almighty i thought her promo look the promo that she tried to do that the audience hijacked on monday night raw was unfortunate and very few even skill talents could have could have, could uh navigate around that impasse but man did she deliver the goods on her rebuttal to Becky Lynch face-to-face? That was a moment. And I would live with that moment if I was WWE. That was, I don't know if you can do anything better emotionally than the comments they made, those two women made, building up to WrestleMania and hopefully subsequently the main event there. There was the moment where Ronda said to Becky, I could kill you with my bare hands if I wanted to. And I went, oh, yes, you could, but it would be a fight. Yeah, and, and most – and mo- and most men on the roster too, Mike. Yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't want to throw down with her. Uh, <laughs> I'd be afraid to. Um, and I believed in that moment 
these were not women play play acting in in, in, a, in a show. These were two women who were combat sports specialists from different worlds who wanted to fight and see who the best person in the world was. And that's no different than Mayweather versus McGregor or Muhammad Ali versus Smoking Joe Frazier or Steve Austin against The Rock or Hulk Hogan against The Rock. When you have two personalities that you buy into and you believe in the conviction of their words and what they are saying, there is nothing better than that when you have a show to sell if you're a promoter. That's Rocky Balboa and Apollo and Apollo Creed there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that back and forth. I, and I just said it on PW Insider before we were recording it. I, I did a, a recap of Raw. I thought that was the best talking segment we have seen in years on WWE programming. It wasn't the ongoing monologue of, shape, of, 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 of some sort of like high school drama reader, high school drama students, Shakespearean monologue mm. where they stand there oh. and talk to each other. Stop my pain. The they're getting insulted. It was real oh. and it was emotional. I'm, I hate that. I hate the bad acting. I hate the sophomore drama class doing resting promos in the ring in their falsetto voices. And all, making all, all the while making sure they, as Monsoon would say, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back. So these self-serving promos that some of them are, are forced to, rem- to memorize on the day you get there. Memorize this five-minute piece of present- this presentation that you're going to do on live television tonight. What? You know, it's crazy. Now, give me bullet points. Give me a general feel for what you want, and let me then go create your own verbiage within the time restraints that you're allowed. I got no problem with that. But man, oh, man. You can always tell the difference between someone who's trying to remember what they're saying as they're saying it and someone who's just speaking from the heart. And, you know, when, when when you act out or you speak out from the heart as a performer that's when people fall in love with you as and and they believe in what you're doing and once they believe in what these characters are doing then you can go anywhere in the stories you know you have to get the characters to a point where people believe in them and then you can do the rock and mcfoley this is your life you know but or you can go into some sort of deep dark story you know with the undertaker it's about making people believe in the personalities and the characters and last night you know, Becky Lynch, people have believed in her for a while. And, you know, what happened last year at Survivor Series where she got injured, unfortunate, but the grit and the blood and the fallout of that made her a bigger star. And, you know, like she said, I haven't seen you come to SmackDown looking for me. I had to come here looking for you. Yeah. And people realize there's truth to that. And when Ronda fired back, and it wasn't Ronda trying to do a wrestling promo, but it was closer to Ronda Rousey, the angry MMA fighter, speaking out there you know there was a grit and a realism there that you peeled away the quote-unquote sports entertainment and suddenly you were left with sports and pro wrestling and that that moment and that back and forth promo especially once wwe glitzes it up and they do their whole production video around it that's going to be the moment that sells wrestlemania more than anything else to me that was the type of thing that should have ended up on espn in the next couple over the next couple of days because it was real it was raw and to me, that, that's what great pro wrestling is, is when you're not sure where the, the fiction ends and the reality begins, and that's what makes it fascinating and compelling. To me, that segment last night on Raw, uh, or Monday night on Raw, I should say, was probably the best talking segment since the day CM Punk brought, broke the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Hi, Colt Cabana, how you doing? And, you know, and this, this company's going to go to hell when Vince McMahon's gone because the doofus son-in-law and the daughter are going to run it. You know, it's like that was compelling because people couldn't believe it was happening. 
and those moments are few and far and far between now. Right. That Ronda Becky thing to me, that's gonna that that's the moment that sells the momentum of WrestleMania. If if I'm WWE, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a no brainer, and I can't believe that some are overthinking it so much. It's embarrassing that it's really that simple. This is a you can't Lesnar and Seth Rollins, and all due respect to both very talented athletes. Uh, Lesnar showed you his uh, uh, his breadth of his work. He showed you he is more than just a brute. Great facial expressions on Sunday night, the, the art of working, the art of drama, adding drama, facials, body English, how he sold his uh, uh, old diverticulitis scar, let's say, whatever the hell it was, uh, was just really disturbing. It was good. But there's always a but. But men have closed WrestleMania every year since its inception. That's nothing new. Knowing Vince as I do, and I know him pretty well, he loves first. That's why you hear the announcer say, first time ever. There, if, or, or somebody hadn't wrestled on Raw in five years. First time on Raw in five years, type thing, whatever the hell it is. He loves those measurables. You can never have the first again. This is the, this is the could be, with women closing the show, the very first time in history. It should be the first time in history because I don't know that you can create, at least on the horizons I mentioned earlier, Mike, this is a perfect marriage, man. This is Stone Cold and The Rock here. This is uh, any of those great rivalries that we talk about. You know, this is this is a magic pairing. Flair and Steamboat, they got it. They got chemistry. Okada, Omega, they got it. These two women have it. And don't penalize them because of their gender. And I cannot see WWE doing that. No, I, I don't. I, I really wouldn't expect that either. But, you know, here's the other thing. You talked about there can only be so many firsts. Ronda has wrestled every other major female name, with the exception of Asuka, thus far in her run. She just wrestled Sasha, Rumble, which I loved. She just wrestled Bailey on Raw. She's wrestled Charlotte, which was very entertaining. Uh, you know, and, and she wrestled Nia. That was a good. They'll get back to those. But you only get so many firsts. And doing that first and having that headline WrestleMania, biggest show of the year, it's not just a match, it's not just a spectacle, it's a mission statement from WWE that reinforces everything that they've done dating back to you're no longer divas, you're now female superstars. You know, And yeah. even dating back to the debut of Total Divas, which I don't think gets the credit it deserves, because that was the first time other than ratings, uh, rating, rating, segment, rating uh, you know, quarterly ratings for the hour, that was the first time where they could point to measurable data that, hey, there's an audience here that wants to see the female talents in something more than just a sideshow or a TNA or a bra and panties match. And they opened it up for a completely different audience because there was a huge female demographic that they got from the Kardashians and E! And, and places like that. And they opened up their characters and their performers in a way that they had never been opened up before on a traditional wrestling program. So you had a whole audience that fell in love and started to watch wrestling and started to go to wrestling for the first time because of the women. And you had to now service that audience too. There are lots of female fans that I know who used to say to me, you watch that wrestling stuff? And now the questions are more like, do you ever interview Nikki Bella? Or what's really going on with Nikki and John? Like, I get those questions from, from female friends that I know that have no idea what's going on in Raw or SmackDown, but they want to know if John Cena and Nikki Bella are, are, are going to be together again or if they're or if it's just part of the show that they're broken up. There's a completely different fascination and a completely different audience 
that they found with Total Divas, and they were able to capitalize on that, and that helped open up things for and that coupled with the generation of women who came up through NXT that were, you know, cultivated by with Paige and Sasha and Bailey and everybody, all of that was this perfect storm that led to Ronda versus Becky. They can't ignore it. It reinforces everything they've been doing. It's like mm-hmm. going through the whole book and not finding out who the, who the murderer is. This right. is the ultimate chapter for them. I think uh, successful weekend for WWE. I was surprised the house did almost 50,000 people. I thought that was a great accomplishment. My hat's off to them for that. Talent worked hard. Some people ask me all the time. People ask me a lot about why is NXT different than the Mondays and Tuesdays, Raw and SmackDown. It's, it's the way I can do it in a sports analogy. They run different offenses. You know, it's a it's a different presentation. Uh, they have a different pace. They have they they are, they have things they don't do that you see on the other roster that are kind of disturbing and are not fundamentally sound or logical. Generally, overall, the athleticism on NXT and the logic that they utilize, by and large, is more solid and more fundamentally sound. That's my take on that deal. Uh, yeah, and, the, and the production's different. The per, you know, the, it's a different per, it's a different way of shooting the show, for the most part. And I always kind of liken to, and I'm not a I'm not a huge sports fan, but what I've seen of college football and what I've seen of minor league baseball teams. The plays are faster, the, the players are hungrier, they work harder versus those who are in the NFL or Major League Baseball where they're playing the long game because they have hundred, they have all these other games to go through over the course of the season. Uh, takeover, they leave it out on, they leave it all on the table. They don't no, worry about tomorrow night I got to go to Raw. Now, every takeover is the re- No, every takeover is a WrestleMania, Mike. It's a different mindset. Generally guys are hungrier, they're younger by and large. There are different points of their career. A lot of those cats are looking at this. This is my make it or break it opportunity uh, to be in the business and make some money on it. Now I want to change gears here a little bit because we're running out of time. Uh, the business is good for a lot of people. How long have you been on? And the reason I say that is because it's an interesting time to be a fan, to be in the business. Guys like me and you, they're not wrestlers on the peripheral. I don't know what my, I don't know what that means for me, but nonetheless, I know what you do. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, how long have you been uh, on the trail of the AEW uh, story? Because you're one of the first people I saw to write about, I think. I don't know if it's the, but nonetheless, how long have you been on that story, and what do you think of the concept? Uh, I'm fascinated by it because, it, you know, they haven't even run a show yet, and they've kind of changed the water table of pro wrestling. And it's been an entire generation of fans where there has never been a potential other national company that's going to pay talents at the level that WWE would be willing to pay them. You know, it's been 18 or 19 years since WCW went out of business. And, and even ECW, which was a completely different style that never didn't pay the guys as much, but artistically was so unique that it kind of influenced everybody else. You know, I, I've been following the story, and there were a lot of rumors and a lot of talk about it. And to me, you know, when January 1st came, I was like, all right, it's a real thing. And this is exciting. And, you know, whether this thing has legs and, and runs for the next 20 years, and God knows I hope it does because it's the best thing for pro wrestling, um, or it turns out to be something that disappears after four or five years, the the lives of the Young Bucks and Cody and Hangman Page are changed forever. Their career trajectories are, are changed forever. They just teased Kenny Omega could be coming there after his New Japan run ended. So the narrative for everybody in wrestling the last 15 or 18 years has been, well, in the end, hopefully I'll get to WWE. This changes that, that end chapter. If this becomes something that is 
a, a secondary force in pro wrestling, and I don't mean you know a tier below WWE, but something that hey, I don't have to go to WWE. I can work somewhere else and, and potentially make six or seven figures and create a brand that is different and that captures the imagination of everybody. That changes the lives of everybody in the pro wrestling world. They, that, and they're at the beginning of their marathon. You know, the biggest problem they're going to have is the biggest problem everybody has. The average person who is out there and watches WWE with their kids and the average consumer who grew up after 2001 on WWE has been the alpha and omega of pro wrestling, the definition of what pro wrestling is. And they provide so much content and they have so much programming every week, they oversatiate everybody. And now will someone else with a, with a lot of money behind them, uh, with a huge marketing plan, with a potential network home, which we all hope they get on a, a huge cable network that's going to pay them a lot of money because that's got to be the end game for AEW. Can they change the narrative of what pro wrestling is on a huge scale. And if they can do that, that's the best thing for the wrestlers. It's the best thing for the fans. It's the best thing for the product. Honestly, it's the best thing for WWE because it'll force them against the wall and they'll have to push back and their creative will have to be different and better. Their production will have to upgrade and be better. The talents will have to work harder. And you know, as well as I do, you were right there in the midst of the whole Monday night thing. It is a war of attrition and it's not one overnight. Eric might have won for 83 weeks, as we know from his podcast title. But on week 84, <laughs> the tide started to churn. But that whole narrative and that whole story of the back and forth, that cultivated and got so many people to fall in love with pro wrestling. If AEW can make an entire new generation fall in love with pro wrestling or bring people back or change the narrative of how people look at wrestling, how could you not be excited? And to me, I mean, I'm, I'm so hopeful that it does. Just like I'm hopeful for everybody. I want everyone everywhere to have a sellout. And I want every wrestler to have the best match they can because it's more for me to write about. And where I stand, that's the best thing for me is to have more great wrestling out there on a major scale. Mike, you're a great guest. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule this week to jump on with me. I'll keep you informed of, uh, you know, we're going to do some shows there in your your back your backyard during WrestleMania week, a Saturday afternoon affair at the uh, Gotham Comedy Club. Then Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard and I are going to do a post Monday Night Raw show uh, with, with about a five-minute walk from the uh, uh, Barclays Center starting at midnight. If that's not a wild show and crazy, because the, the material you can cover, because everything, everything other than SmackDown has occurred. So I'll, I'll, I want to keep you in, in, touch, uh, in touch with you on that stuff because I'd love for you to help us promote it a little bit when you can. Uh, and and, and you're, you know you're always invited, so... You're one of our good friends, and, and uh, you, uh, you know what you're talking about, and you don't make stuff up, and I, I really respect uh, what you guys do. And I hope you have 15 more years with uh, Pro Wrestling Insider. I, I do, too, and I can guarantee you I will be there that Monday night. <laughs> yeah. Why go to why, why I mean, go to usually usually the day after WrestleMania I can sleep, but apparently this year will be different. Yeah. So, why go why why go to sleep? Go don't stay up. Go don't worry about it. You can catch up. You know, Vince McMahon told me many many times, sleep is our enemy. Jr. God damn it, Jr. Sleep is our enemy. <laughs> okay. I never looked that at it that way. <laughs> yeah. It's it's got a, it's not for the weak at heart. So it should be fun. Uh, again, Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, our show uh, is better with you on it, and I uh, appreciate you very much. So thanks for being a friend, and, and thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, 
I don't know about my wisdom, but I appreciate you having me on, and I'm humbled by the kind words. And anytime you want to have me on, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I just want to thank everybody for listening, and feel free to check us out at PWInsider.com. And if you want to check out our Elite section, you can check out PWInsiderElite.com and try us out ad-free with all our audio discussions and content three days free. And I hope you do. And I, I thank you, JR. You're the man. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Talk to you soon. It's always a pleasure to talk to someone as educated, as emotionally invested, and as informed as Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson, uh, uh, been with PW Insider since its inception. They just celebrated their 15th anniversary. They share and uh, and uh, Mike do a ter- terrific job of uh, heading up that site. PWInsider.com. Check them out. You heard all the information from Mike uh, before he left. Uh, hell, I've been I've been a user of that site for years and uh, i like their objectivity and i like their timeliness as well mike is a very trusted uh, voice in the in the business and i found out today i didn't know that mike has been friends with uh, the president of aew tony khan for 20 years who knew what's it mean rumor and innuendo more at six uh, remember that we appreciate your rating and subscribing to our show. Uh, the subscription thing is free, so you know it's the right price. You'll never miss an episode if you subscribe because it's automatically downloaded then into the, the device of your choosing. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts has it. You can go to Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever. And then uh, leaving those five-star ratings is very important. Well, we're going to try to get to 2,000 five-star ratings we need 205, so we're chipping away with your help, including uh, these five-star folks that reviewed our show, JSDAWG42, just 42 to his friends. Jim Ross is the voice of my childhood. I know that's been said a million times, but it never gets old, pal. never gets old. But for me, it's true. been following him since the OUWF days. Enjoy his podcast every week, the best ever. You're the best, Jerry. The best. Thank you, 42. Uh, C. Vincinetti. I probably screwed his name up. Sorry, C. The best wrestling announcer of all time. I look forward to his podcast every week. Thank you, sir. Or ma'am. I'm betting some man. Dawes Wook. As a wrestling fan for nearly 40 years... JR keeps me excited for wrestling when my interest is at an all-time or near an all-time low. Wow. His sharp insight coupled with a lack of sugarcoating how he feels makes my Thursday commute to work more fun than it should be. Throw in his inability ability to make any guest on the show a compelling interview, regardless of whether or not I know that person. And that is... To paraphrase the man himself, just sauce on the ribs. I dig it. Like that sauce, baby. So again, uh, subscribe to our show. Leave those five-star ratings. We appreciate you. That's how we grow. Uh, It's how we uh, pitch our product to advertisers. So uh, check that out. And uh, uh, the five-star ratings is always a help. Uh, I want to thank again Mike Johnson for joining us here this week. PW Insider. Uh, he's got a handle on it, man. He, he's, uh, he's a sharp dude, very well-informed, and they have a great website. Check them out, pwinsider.com. 
Next week, uh, Ring of Honor superstar Madison Rain will be joining me for the first time. It'll be interesting to talk to her about her career, her life. She's a mom. She's a wrestler. Uh, and she's a, a wife. So, busy woman. I always like talking to people about their life. It's not all about sometimes the headlocks and hammerlocks and false finishes and who got over and all that crap. So we'll talk to Madison next week here on the program. Uh, remember, you can submit your comments or questions, interview suggestions, whatever you like to, whatever's on your mind. Make this show as much yours as you want it to be. Just email me at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. Thejimrossreport at gmail.com. As you know, new episodes escape every Wednesday here on the mighty Westwood One. Uh, I'm on Twitter, as you know, at JRSBBQ. Almost 1.7 million followers. I want you to be one of them if you're not. Uh, at JRSBBQ for Twitter. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, thanks to Sean Cradle's efforts, at Jim Ross BBQ for Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I want to make sure, again, we thank Ted Woods for his work with our show. Uh, and as we mentioned, Ted has decided to move on and uh, get involved in Morning Drive Radio in San Diego. We wish you nothing but the best. He'll do a terrific job. But he does need a haircut. Uh, I'm kidding. He does need a haircut. What do I care? He's a good dude. Uh, I, I mentioned last week before, before we get off the air, I want to make it, the, my Super Bowl prediction. Here's what I'm, I'm going to go with. This is what I'm going with, and I, it's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm, I'm taking the New England Patriots minus two and a half points. I, here's why. I don't know what we have with the Rams. They got a brand, you got a young quarterback, big spotlight, young coach, big spotlight. They got a lot of talent. They're really, really good. And if the Rams beat the Pats, I will not be shocked. But how do you bet for me? How do I bet against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? They're, proven winners track records there i can't figure out how to bet against them unless i was drinking and i'm not so uh i'm picking the pats to cover the two and a half point spread and i like the over which is 56 and a half points the over 56 and a half let's see next week how close i came to some of those uh, those educated guesses should be a fun weekend so enjoy it all folks again thank you so much i really really appreciate you guys supporting our show here on Westwood One. Seriously, it's a it's always a joy to come to, to be invited to your ears again. And I can assure you that great things are to come our way. Yes, our way in 2019. So stay tuned. I'm driving home in that old black uh, Escalade down the road to Oklahoma City to Norman. Enjoy it. Enjoy living here. Enjoy being alive. Go out and do something nice for somebody that's unexpected. You'll be so rewarded. You'll be so happy you did. You'll feel good about something. And remember, folks, that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So for everybody here on the team, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying thanks very much. And so long, everybody. The Westwood One Podcast Network, The Raven Effect. Tom Cruise did a lot of running. I agree. Like, I think, like, he he's good at all that sort of action guy stuff. But he looks a lot like the Disco Inferno. Like a handsomer, better shaped Disco Inferno. Disco's in pretty good shape. The guy is in fantastic physical shape. The Raven Effect. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Free from the Westwood One Podcast Network. 
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.